10 o'clock even. So you know what's so funny? We were sitting there socializing and not even realizing that it's uh, it's go time. Yay. Sorry for everyone. I didn't put makeup on today. But I guess we'll suck it up. So, all right, Carrie, are you ready for the mic is listening? This is going to be, you know, I'm glad you're so much more put together than I am this morning. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> are you ready for it? I'm excited to be here. All right, let's do this. The mic is listening. 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 Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the Mike is Listening. I'm Sia, and let's talk about virtual everything. The whole idea, the concept, what is virtual, what isn't virtual, are we virtual, are we inhabiting, you know, multiple, I don't know, universes. I personally think we have crossed streams because I feel like so much that's going on in this world is freaking surreal. So what is reality and what's the definition of it? And then I thought about this because I've met so many people virtually. I personally can say I am enjoying the, um, well, how should I put it? I'm enjoying the opportunity to meet people that I would maybe potentially never meet worldwide, which is great. But is that the same connection that we make when we meet each other face-to-face, in person, and all that stuff? And knowing that there's going to be times maybe we have a pandemic, you know, part de etc. Are we as a society ready to welcome that whole world again of doing virtual conferences, virtual meetups, or maybe do a hybrid, which I think today's world is, is a hybrid. And for those that are gamers, we kind of already experienced and already know that you could exist in a hybrid world anyway, because there's so much opportunity to meet virtually and enjoy and enjoy a, you know, uh, a game together, if you will. So those are the multiple things that just like bounce around in my head. And I was like, who do I know? Who's cool enough? And who's like got everything together that they can explain to me in, you know, layman's terms of what does that mean for us? What is that term virtual, virtual connection, virtual meeting, virtual everything in a way that is palatable? Something that people like my mom is comfortable, uh, you know, who's 86 years old, is comfortable with embracing. So I asked a very dear colleague friend of mine to join me, and I would like everyone to welcome Ms., and I'm loving how I do this all the time, Carrie Purcell, CEO and co-founder of Tech Adaptica. Welcome to the Mic is Listening, Carrie. Awesome. Thank you, Sia. So happy to be here. I'm, I am so honored and privileged to have you here. We actually met because we have a uh, association affiliation with Global Leaders Organization. And so folks on this show that listen, they know um, I'm the Dallas chair of GLOW. So people keep saying, are you GLOW? Are you GLOW? I'm like, no. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely bigger than I used to be, but I'm not GLOW. Um, so you are the chair out of Toronto, Correct. That's right. Yep, absolutely. So awesome. So how is it out there in Toronto? Is it a thousand degrees like it is here in Dallas? It's getting hot for sure. <laughs> Summer's here. 
Yeah, I know. I'm just kind of like trying to function on like, you know, it, it's, it is really unusual. It's like uncomfortably hot here. So like if everyone sees me starting to drip, uh, drip sweat, don't worry. I'm not stressed or anything like that. It's, it's a thousand degrees here. Like literally like the, the, the hobbits can throw the ring back to us and, and it would melt fine. <laughs> so Carrie, let's talk. Um, you know, when we met the very first time, I just love the idea of what Tech Adaptica is doing. So before we even talk about what Tech Adaptica is, can we talk about you for a second here? Like, have you always been an entrepreneur? Uh, a little bit. Uh, I think I, you know, I was, uh, I was thinking about it and I like, I did the lemonade stand thing as a kid. I think I was always trying to, yeah, to kind of run my own little business, but um, no, officially, you know, I, I did the corporate, corporate world thing. I wanted yeah. security of a regular paycheck and like maybe even a pension or some retirement savings. Yeah. Um, yeah eventually I got to the point where um, I really, I really cared about what I was trying to do in my industry and my work. And I wasn't able to do it within the institution. And that was when I was like, you know, I've tried it. I've tried it the corporate side. I've tried inside the institution. I need to just break out of both of these and see if I can really do what I think is possible and show people. So, yeah. <laughs> now, did you have a breaking point or is it simply like, mm, I'm, I'm feeling spicy. I'm going to try it out. Yeah, I wouldn't say I had a breaking point. I would say that um, I, I, I was able to, like, I'm a bit of a planner. So I, I was essentially able to prepare myself to look for the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how oh, I got there. Got it. I love that. Um, now, did you, when you said you saw and looked at the opportunity, again, this is like a question that sounds redundant, but it's, it's finding opportunity and change, I guess, right? But there's a lot of inherent risk in that. So what was it that finally said to you, I can take that risk? Because a lot of folks that I know in corporate that are like looking at what I'm doing and they're like, dude, how are you doing it? I, I, if I can give an arm, like what was your point where you said the tipping point said, boop, I got it. I'm jumping over. So like my honestly, I'm probably most people probably will not give you the answer I'm going to give you. So my answer is. I knew that uh, I knew I wanted to make a change. I knew that I couldn't quite do what I wanted to do in my the job that I was doing, but that I was making really great connections, and I was still I was still kind of like pushing the boundaries of what I wanted to do. Um, but the reality is, as a bit of a planner, I was like, you know what? I'm in a position where I could do this for two years. So when the right opportunity comes up, I will take the leap and I will do it for two years and I will fight to make it successful for more than two years. But if I can't, I'll go find a job after two years. <laughs> so I kind of, I just sort of set it up. So I felt like I had enough security to do it. Um, but I still had to, I still had to fight, you know, to make it, make it real and make it happen. Oh, that's cool. So it's, it's it's almost like you 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 allowed yourself the grace of an out. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And I think with entrepreneurs, we don't necessarily intend to fail, but the stats aren't on our side. If we're gambling people, we're definitely gambling odds that are not uh, favorable to us. So how is it that you arrived at that grace to say, mm, I'll give it two years and if I fail, I fail? Like, <laughs> how'd you do yeah. that? 
Yeah. So for me, it was a combination of um, getting myself into the right network, right? So to be able to really, I knew what I wanted to do. I couldn't do it by myself. So I needed to have the right kind of people, technical skills and expertise around me. Um, And I needed to know that I could cover my mortgage. (laughs) Minor detail. Yeah, few other things. But if I could do those two things, if I could get the right team around me and I could pay the bills, uh, I would do it. Um, and I, you know, I, I did actually leave a college job with a pension, um, which a lot of people would think is crazy. But for me, it was, again, despite being able to do, to work on really, really cool stuff with great partners and like absolutely amazing faculty who inspired me, for somebody like me, for somebody who's like just dying to get out there and be be entrepreneurial and do your thing, it is very limiting. So, you know, you're, you know that you're putting all the pieces together and you're meeting the right people and you're setting everything up, but you also don't, you also feel like you're in an institution that you want to get out of. <laughs> oh, institution is the right word, isn't it? Like I felt at some points, like I, I felt like I really lost my soul. By the time I left yeah. uh, corporate America, like I, I honestly felt like I had no soul left in me. And that's a scary feeling for um, a salesperson, first off. Right? They're all about, like, you know, our self-view, worth, whatever you want to call it, our internalization of how we view ourselves. But, yeah, no, that's crazy to think about. So, okay, let's so let's shift it a little bit then because, um, you know, leaving the corporate security blanket is what I affectionately call it, right, to mm-hmm. the world of entrepreneurship, okay? I... I launched a podcast production business, but let's just say it's not the most quote innovative type company. The tools are available and they're great tools, by the way, that, that can be done to do this job. Um, so it was just me kind of leveraging existing technology and then kind of doing my own and building my own business around it. Right. For you, however, and this is a question I've always wanted to ask people like people like you, you, you're coming up with an innovative technology concept you're you're really innovating i don't understand how one starts that kind of business so where the hell did that come from because that's i feel like i'm a baby step entrepreneur in that way you're going whole hog i'm going to create something new i'm gonna i mean it literally you probably start with a whiteboard i'm guessing (laughs) yeah sure yeah we use a whiteboard um these days we use like a virtual whiteboard, a mirror board to map things out. Um, I'll answer both ways. So I'm going to answer kind of big picture, like my journey to do it. And then I'll answer kind of very, very um, specifically. Our specific model is similar to what most people will probably have experienced. Uh, but the way I got there might be different. Um, so I sort of started in a much more traditional business. I, I was in educational publishing. Uh, and at that time in my career, it was it was like amazing. Right. So we got to really recreate and um, and 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 work with authors and teachers and editors uh, to recreate content for students and for curriculum and have that impact. And it was really cool. But as technology started to emerge, um, the physical, you know, the, the big companies, and I was working for one of the big ones, 
had a harder time kind of with that sense of agility, right? So like adopting the right technology quickly and starting to roll it out. Um, there was a bit of a disconnect as well between kind of the traditional model that maybe tenured uh, decision makers were asking for versus what would really engage the student. And those were problems that I wasn't going to, despite trying for several years, I wasn't going to be able to change, right? So like this big, heavy infrastructure of a traditional business, um, that gap between like the, 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 the student engagement and that early adoption versus maybe a more traditional decision maker. I couldn't, couldn't bridge those gaps in my position. So I wanted to do two things. I wanted to get inside the college and see if I could make the change there. But I also wanted to get inside the technology, right? So I managed to get a role um, in emerging technologies at a college in the research and innovation department. So I got to work with all of the educators, but I also got to work with emerging technology and, and all kinds of ideas around it. So sometimes it was as simple, like when blockchain uh, started to become kind of very popular, it was just all about like, how can I use it, right? So we've got this technology, mm -hmm. how do we apply it? And of course, you know, cryptocurrency and so on is the biggest application, but we were looking at everything. It was like, how do we apply it in health, which there's some really, really cool applications. And how do we apply it in education for micro-credentials to really make it ownership and all these things, right? So then we looked at VR and we looked at AR and we looked at all of these like gaming tools and so on. And we said, okay, how can we apply these in different ways? if we can solve real world problems. So that was kind of my journey and how I got my mind into this, this way of looking at what was out there that was being used one way and thinking about innovating it differently. Um, but in a really practical way, it's interesting when you get into this sphere because you have to, so you really have to look, you have to bridge the gap for the tension between what your clientele wants today. So you need to build a product for a market, but you also need to be thinking ahead of the market, right? If you're not thinking ahead of the market, you're gonna lose. But right. if, you, if you're not building something people want, you don't have a business. <laughs> so that's where, that's where there's this fun tension of like, I think we can solve a problem. I think we can do it in a new, interesting way. Um, I think people are gonna want it and love it and like, you know, it's just going to, it's going to have stickiness. Um, but I have to do the smallest version I can. I have to talk to the most people I can. I have to test it. I have to iterate it and over and over and over. Um, and we still do that. Like we have a running business, which by the way, we made it more than two years. Awesome. <laughs> I, I'm okay. still doing it. During the <laughs> During the pandemic, of all things, so congratulations, yes. During a pandemic, um, but it, but it is a constant. Like it, we are a tech company that is constantly iterating, so we're we're just adapting and changing with and ahead of the market constantly. So yeah, that's me. No, I mean, like I again, it it is so much planning. It is so much foresight. It's so much. So, um, did you get guidance and help from other entrepreneurs, or or is this a labor of? Like you literally carving your own path with your own machete through the forest jungle, no. if you will. Yeah, no, we had, we had, so my business partner and I had a, a ton of people and support and entrepreneurs and businesses around us. Um, the, we, we did kind of a really focused eight month sprint as well, where we had some like a research and development sprint where we had researchers around us and we had, you know, all of these chances to test and try things out and prototype and see whether it was going to stick and then throw some of it out and start again. So yeah, we did, we did kind of a whole proper, process, if you will. Um, and where we ended at the end of it, I would say we probably kept 
for a while, a good 75 to 80% of what we did. Uh, and then some of it, we just, you know, completely threw out and started again. <laughs> no, I, <clears throat> being able to throw something away as an entrepreneur, let go of an ugly baby. And I said it, people, ugly baby, there are babies that are ugly. I'm sorry, they are. But sometimes you have to just let it go or not human babies. I'm just saying babies, but, or sometimes you just have to like, let it turn into a swan maybe and massage it. So at what, what point did you decide, okay, no, this isn't working out. We had to cut it out. Like, did you have like a, I guess, how did you arrive at that? Like, was it a spreadsheet? Was it a, you guys looked at each other vibe? What? So there were a few things. There were a few things we threw out and, and started again. Uh, and, and they were, they were, they all had sort of an impetus that was either um, between us and our company or the market like market driven. Uh, so we launched a virtual product January. So commercially launched it January 15th, uh, 2020. And we did some things like we had done a huge branding exercise. We had this gorgeous logo and then we changed our company name. So like we just threw it out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we did, um, we, we put a market, we put a product to market that was designed to bridge K to 12 and college. Um, four months later, we had a bunch of courses. So four months later was April, 2020. And wherever you were in the world, you were, you were probably in shutdown by that point, right? You mm -hmm. were in lockdown. So we suddenly started having, uh, corporations come to us and say, I, I saw your virtual um, college campus. Can I use the lecture hall for my conference? And we we're like, yeah, let's let's try that out. Let's test it out. No problem. The problem was we had like a super colorful, like we were replicating real world college campuses, but then making it super playful. So the buildings weren't like, you know, gray and brown. Like they were pink and yellow and purple and blue. Um, your avatars were not wearing suits, right? They were wearing like yeah. what college kids would want to wear on campus. Um, or some of our avatars today have like crop tops. <laughs> so I love that. Right. That's what I, they, like, we have big headphones. We have like hats, like we have high top running shoes. But if you want to do a corporate conference, it's like a bit of a different feel. So some of what we changed or, or throughout was just like, this is not versatile enough or the market's asking for something else. The concept is the same. We want a 3D virtual world that people can walk in, talk in, do a presentation, do group work, have fun, like do games. But if they want to represent themselves in a suit, we should let them do that. Um, if they want the buildings to be like toned down, not pink and purple, that's fine. Uh, you know, so Ugh, boring. Yeah, totally boring. <laughs> boring. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I. But I like that because in a way it, 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 you're giving personality back to these platforms. I, and, and I know of a lot of other organizations, companies that have, are doing this concept. Obviously the pandemic really brought up a lot, right. Yeah. Of, of folks that said, okay, there's a need for this. We've, we've got to do yeah. something right. Because I'm, I'm telling you like, look, zoom has its purpose, but zoom was never meant to be a conference meeting place. Right. right? And so, um, what I think the disservice is, is now we have this assumption that we should be all rectangles, mm. right? Like, and, mm. and I don't think that's necessarily true. There's, there's some spark to who we are and what we are. Um, have you in, in, in this initial rollout, especially with education space, did, did they give you like 
an immediate feedback of something that you thought everyone would like and they it wasn't the case? So we, I wouldn't say we had that experience, but the reason we didn't is because we did a ton of user testing with students and teachers before we ever built it. Um, okay. So when you're like, when you're, when you're undertaking a tech build, you have to make you, you, ideally, you're not making assumptions, right? Ideally you're, ideally, you're testing those assumptions before you actually build. And ideally, you're spending a lot of time in the design phases. Um, but again, you're making decisions about what kind of company you want to be and what you care about. For us, design was incredibly important. So, um, and that doesn't mean just like the colors and the pictures. It means the the user experience and the feeling and the ease of, right? It was supposed to be very intuitive. Um, the concept is intuitive because people know how to use the space. Like they know how to walk up to somebody. They know how to talk. They know how to act in a classroom. Like um, we have, you know, we have, like I keep giving these references because we do have a lot of educational and corporate clients, clients that do classes and do conferences. But this space is filled with those social community interactions that you would have if you were meeting groups of people in person. Um, so not just courtyards, but like beaches and outdoor amphitheaters and like these different things where people know how to use it. But at the same time, if we don't make it super easy to walk and talk and maybe change your outfit, um, if we don't have a sense of like, uh, so we, we look at the emotional journey of different types of users and, and who, who the stakeholders are, we create these different personas. Um, it's not just, I talked earlier about the tension between the decision maker and the student, right? So we have, like, we have somebody who's a decision maker. We have somebody who's a teacher. We have somebody who's a student. That student might have parents. That student might have um, an agent if they're coming from overseas. Like, there are all these different players that we have to consider and how they how their engagement will be. So are they going to be excited when they log in? Our users who have gaming experience are going to be super excited. Um, but our, some of our other users are going to feel anxiety, right? And if you can't decrease that anxiety rate right away, it's not going to be successful. So we, we did a ton of um, interviews, user testing, um, and design before we ever actually executed on it. So once it went to market, it was sort of what people told us they needed. <laughs> no, I love that because... Because I think we we can when you when you are doing what you're doing, which is creating something fresh, right? Or you're you're not only creating something fresh, but you're evolving something, right? Mm -hmm. It is very easy to fall into that ivory tower mentality. I think it is very easy to think, wait, my idea is freaking genius. Why aren't you you know playing along with it, right? And um, like I said earlier, is okay. Maybe let me take a step back. How do you carry? remove your ego out of the equation as you're developing these things. Because I have to imagine, like, again, uh, your baby is, is, is a manifestation of your ideas and brain. So if people are rejecting it, in essence, I can see how it could be a rejection of you. Have you encountered that or how do you not encounter that? Yeah, it's a really interesting point because I think I, I think at many points in, like, the adoption process, um founders are going to struggle with that or, you know, chief engineers are going to struggle with that. Um, the short answer is data, data driven decisions are the right decisions, right? So if you have enough, it's like, if one person tells me this, I don't have to believe them. If a, if a critical mass tells me this, I should believe them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. That's what we should do. So am I doing it for myself or am I doing it for them? 
And that part's kind of simple, right? So we can we can just make the decision, and we did early on that we're a data-driven organization, and that's how we make our decisions. Um, but then there's that tension between, okay, that's what people are saying today, but I know the market's going here, or the research says that, or could we? So sometimes it's a matter of like, if we stay with our core principle that we're data-driven decision makers, we also have to test the what people are telling us, right? Yeah. So we're making assumptions, people are answering those assumptions. Then we have to run them through lots of user testing. And it's like, okay, you're tell you think that. Is that really how you're going to act? And if I can test that and I can prove it, then I'll believe it. And, and, you know, not everybody like that. That's the simple answer. It doesn't mean that people that we don't have internal battles over it. And it doesn't mean that we don't have product committees where people like people come at from completely different angles. Right. So it's like, yeah, it's data driven. But I've looked at the competitors and I found this or I've looked at it from a technical perspective. And this would be the standard. And I've looked at it because I talk to all the customers and they all say this. Right. And it's like, but sometimes those three points don't say the same thing. So how right. do you how do we triangulate that? <laughs> Dude, that? That's completely true because, well, I guess that's where the human part is, right? That's the fun, right? Totally. I guess if you can solve that, we'd yeah. all be billionaires, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the fun. <laughs> so I know, right? I know, please. So I do want to ask, uh, I do want to answer a question because I, it is a good question and, and sometimes I have a tendency to gloss over things. So Lee, thanks for asking this. Um, so she wants to understand the difference between Zoom and, and and I didn't do a demo of uh, your product. I just want to tease it enough for people to imagine this. So Lee and Care, you you tell me if I'm wrong here, okay? So the thing about Zoom, StreamYard is a platform that I'm using for this to live stream. This is what I call the Zoom experience. All right. So basically, what it is is we're, we're a bunch of talking heads in a rectangular format, right? And then what happens is as more people come on, it'll be become it'll be more triangles or, or more rectangles added to the screen. What Carrie's company and platform offers is a different look and feel. So if you were to like virtually think about walking into like a conference center, okay, oftentimes there'll be like lounge chairs in one area to the right are the doorways to each room. You can literally visualize yourself walking into it. So you have an avatar in essence, and you can go into that seating area and join a conversation. You can walk away and depart, but it doesn't look like that harsh where like in zoom, you, you get pushed into a room and next thing you know, you go blank. And then all of a sudden you pop up into a room of four rectangles. Again, this is much more of a human interaction with the um, imagery to kind of put you in the mood. Is that, is that it? And in essence, did I get it right? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, we we actually so human interaction design is is like literally the the academic term that we use when we design it. So hundred percent. Um, the we think about like Zoom has a place, but it tends to be one way talks, right? So you're sitting and listening. I can't really communicate with you individually. I can talk, I can have my turn, then you can have her turn. Um, what we're missing is all the stuff like, like, so we call it multiplying interactions, right? So what's the stuff that happens when you're walking to that event, right? Rather than just logging into a webinar, turning my camera off, turning my mic off and sitting and listening, I might actually 
meet some people as I'm walking there. When I sit down in my seat, I might actually talk to the person beside me or look for a friend or a colleague. And when it's over is when the magic in our environment actually happens. Because when it's over, it becomes spontaneous. And now sometimes people go up to the speaker and they, they create a crowd and they ask their questions and interact. But the rest of the time, they go to everybody around them and they walk out and they talk about what they just experienced. And they might actually hang around together kind of, I'm, you know, air quote, in person, right? So it's that, yeah, it's a totally immersive 3D experience that multiplies the interactions in a way that uh, Zoom can't do, even though there's a time and a place for a Zoom conversation. So like, I, I'm going to do something that I haven't done in a long time, and I might be like cursing myself for this year, but we're going to have some fun here because I want to do this. So basically, if you can see this, everyone, um, this is where I'm, we're talking about. So um, this is her actual website itself. Is it? Sh- oh, you know what? Is it sharing? I'm not sharing. Perhaps it might help if I added to the stream. All right. So this is what I'm, I'm talking about in a virtual environment, which I think is really hella cool here. So oops, let me, I think I clicked on the wrong thing. Yeah, except that our avatars have legs. <laughs> yeah, no, your avatars have legs. And and what I thought was interesting is this imagery here. And, and that's why I was like, well, I want to show this one. Okay, so if you talk about events, okay, so if you're in a virtual event, right, you, you can see on the right-hand side, this is an image I really liked, is if you're the participant, you can look up on a, on, on a stage and you still get the vibe of the person talking on stage and you still see the face, but you've got the avatar to kind of help you along on that. What I thought was really cool is um, I think it was the other side of it. There's, there's that image right there. I don't know if it's showing where you are, um, you know, in a group setting. Right. Um, But here's what's really cool. I thought was really neat. And let me see if I did it right or wrong here. Probably should have tested this before we started chatting here, Carrie. So I think it's going pretty well. <laughs> if you're not hiring me anytime soon, I understand. No, um, it was it was this one. I think it was where I thought it was really hella cool, where you are the presenter and you're looking out into the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, what image is that one? Did I miss it? Because I thought that one that one was like hella cool. There, there it is. Okay, so oh, it's going into the. Let me go back there. Look at that right there. If I'm a presenter, oh, stop it, you. Okay, I think I have got you on the loop thingy. But anyway, I just love the the fact that right here is where if you're presenting, I kind of like that vibe. I don't need to make eye contact with everyone. I do like that. I, I feel like, okay, let me try. Let me speak English one more time, everybody. Okay, I'm speaking English. What I'm trying to say is this, is that um, there it's a time where I feel like professional speakers, they don't speak as well virtually because they're not used to looking into the camera to engage, to get that energy level up. But if you put a imagery of them talking into a room, their energy comes back because visually in their head, they're used to seeing and presenting in that way. And so I'm wondering if that is like a real great cheat sheet, a way of like saying, Hey guys, we can do these types of, um, you know, no longer boring zoom speeches into a, like a real, like high energy presentation that we know a lot of these speakers are capable of. So that's my two cents. I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of throwing it out there anyway. Um, who, now whose idea was it to do that? that image to do the perspectives like that. 
I think that was a that was like a mixing of uh, game design, right? So in game design, you make like you'll you'll hear anybody who's a gamer. It's like, is it a first person is game? Is it a third person game? Right. So you make these decisions on like how am I going to view the world? Mm-hmm. Um, and we have both options, but like like ninety nine percent choose the third person view, which is what you were showing. So basically, I see my own avatar, and then I see the world in front of them, as opposed to just seeing the world in front of them. Um, yeah, so I think we did, you know, a combination of like what's happening in game design. How can we? What can we choose? What do people feel comfortable with? And then we let them choose, but we just we just kind of observe. It's like what do people what do people like the most? What do they use the most? Oh, I love it! I love it. Okay, so I can't believe how time. I knew this would happen. Carrie, I knew this would freaking happen. So my friend, for those that want to learn more about you, I've got the scrolling underneath here, Tech Adaptica, Adaptica with a K, A-D-A-P-T-I-K-A dot T-E-C-H. How else can they get a hold of you? Uh, come find us on LinkedIn. We're on every, like, check out the videos on YouTube. I'm on LinkedIn. My co-founder is on LinkedIn. Um, you'll find us on Instagram. You'll find us on Facebook. But like, go to YouTube and LinkedIn. We're all over. Oh, I love it. Love it. And I love that you're on YouTube. Gosh, darn it. I think as many times I might be selfish and hey, you don't have to use me to produce it. But I do believe all businesses, all businesses need to leverage some level of digital content Um, because social media ain't going away. And shout out to Mike O'Connor. I know you've been really supportive. He's got his own service professionals network, which is another social media platform for business. It's like an alternative to LinkedIn. So even though we're even though we are live streaming on LinkedIn, there are other platforms that might be suitable, that might be more suited to your personality. And of course, I'd be remiss. I would be absolutely remiss if I don't mention that um, there's a reason why me and Carrie bond so well. And to uh, say that, as we know, I am the Dallas chair of the Global Leaders Organization. We are all committed to building our, a strong local community as well as global community. We are committed to commerce and supporting one another, but also promoting all of our capabilities. Capital, as in, hey, we're all business owners. If you're looking to accelerate growth, you're considering uh, that your bootstrapping is not going to take you there. We have access to capital and ways to get you there. And of course, content. Self-education is one of the most critical things for entrepreneurship, and we are providing you access to some amazing, amazing, successful entrepreneurs who've been there, done that, but also, um, you know, within your local community, we are building up forums within your local chapters that Carrie can be driving out in Toronto. So ultimately, you guys, how can we help you on that? That is my shill for uh, every podcast. And the other thing, I got to do a shout out. I'm very excited. The mic is listening, was picked for um, a new concept that the Fan Expo in Dallas is rolling out, I think, uh, nationwide in all of their tours. We are uh, going to be recording The Mic is Listening. I've invited two of my really good, uh, two podcast friends, three total folks, Jonathan Anderson, Jonas Bull of Noonish Podcast, which is a sports and tech podcast, and then Brad Bethune, a former friend and colleague back in my techie tech days. He is tech and cards. He's a huge collector of cards and all things obviously that's affiliated with Fan Expo. Come hit us up, you guys, if you guys are interested, or if you can't make it because you're not in Dallas, which is understandable, we will be uh, playing it and broadcasting it, uh, re-record, or I'm sorry, replaying it once we record it. And of course, final notation, shout out to my own company, Innovation Media Enterprises, 
everyone has a story to tell. You need to strongly consider doing it with a podcast, whether it's video, audio. We will help you with consulting, maybe setting up a strategy to align with your corporate strategy. We will do all the production and we'll do the marketing related to your podcast. So we will augment your marketing efforts. So consider us on that. And Carrie, thank you so much for being so awesome and rock star as always. Any final thoughts, my friend, and how awesome Tech Adaptica is? And uh, what's your prediction on the future of virtual um, events and virtual everything? Absolutely. So first of all, like such a pleasure. This was so much fun. I wish we had more time to talk. Um, I So we are going to see mixed reality. You're going to see XR out there. VR is not going anywhere, but we're going to start getting more augmented reality. We're going to get really, really cool ways of interacting both in virtual environments, but also in the real world with virtual overlays. Um, so keep watching. And like hybrid, we're going to have lots of hybrid and redundancies. Like C is doing things in Dallas. I want to be a part of it, but I'm in Toronto. So, you know, make make a way that I can join too at the same time. And also if you're in Toronto and you're an entrepreneur or a business leader, I'd love to have you in the organization. So hit me up for that. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much, Carrie Purcell, CEO, co-founder of Tech Adaptica. I think that suits it up and wraps it up for another episode of The Mic is Listening, everyone. See you next week.